why your A-B testing isn't working. Hi, and welcome to The Voice in My Head for Monday, November 14th, 2022, the eighth episode of season two. I'm Neil Headley. Last time we talked about certain time-honored concepts in the advertising and marketing world. And I mentioned how some have been given new definitions by those who either didn't understand the concept or maybe they were just seeking to put their own unique stamp on it. It would appear that's also true for A-B testing and it might be leading to some issues for you on implementing it. While A-B testing seems to be thought of as the exclusive domain of marketing and advertising, look, that's far from true. I mean, it's not uncommon for Hollywood to engage in their own version. We've all heard of test screenings. Studios have completely redone movie endings based on the practice. There are a few examples out there where studios essentially tested two versions at the same time, on the same night, at the same multiplex. And it goes beyond the movie world. Magazines test different covers or even release the same issue with multiple covers. In recording studios, audio producers often engage in A-B testing by listening through a composition while they're enabling and disabling certain effects or filters as they go along to hear whether a given track sounds better in the overall mix with or without the filter activated. Restaurants use A-B testing to narrow down specific menu items. I even saw one that offered two wildly different menu descriptions of the same item just to see which version of the wording got better traction. Another gave different names to two items that were identical in every way except, as an example, the inclusion of garlic or some other ingredient. Very simply, you're doing A-B testing when you compare one version of something to another and you measure the results to refine the next iteration. But I laugh when I see a guru lauding these concepts as somehow new or revolutionary business practices when in fact A-B testing's been around for more than a century. If you were here last time, you might remember me mentioning the name Claude Hopkins as one of the legends I studied voraciously while I was learning to be a copywriter. Claude Hopkins was leaning on A-B testing as one of his core processes by the year 1910. The Hopkins model was simple. Make a newspaper ad with a coupon in the bottom corner. For version B, use the same ad except try it with a different headline. You run multiple tests on multiple coupons in multiple markets, and the data will lead the way for the next iteration. Hopkins, however, knew the secret to effective testing. One change. That's it. One change determines whether you're going to get any benefit at all from one of the most valuable tools in history. You use different copy for the headline in version B, but you also made version B's headline red instead of black? Well, that's no longer A-B testing. That's playing a guessing game. Because what if version B comes back showing improvement compared to version A? Now you no longer know whether it was the words or the color that made the difference. I mean, maybe people loved the new text in the headline, but the color red actually turned them off. You don't know. And you just wasted an entire test gathering useless data. And it's a test that probably costs somebody money. Is it big enough to warrant a test? The problem with many a guru now is that they'll see a suggestion like mine as old school 
They don't see an issue with changing the headline, changing the color, and changing multiple other elements in a single iteration. They'll say that something just as simple as changing the color of the headline, well, that's not worthy of its own test. Well, my response, um, if you don't think that changing the color is going to result in a measurable impact, then why are you changing the color? Forgive the echoes of my previous work here, but consider the client who's asked for different background music in a radio commercial that I produced for him. Well, what's that change based on? Personal taste? Or did somebody do A-B testing on versions with no music, a version with the current music, and a version with the proposed music to see which one performed better? And if I'm going to propose music at all, whether it's in a commercial or a podcast, it has to be because experience has shown me that for this specific project, this exact track will work better, and here's why. Otherwise, I'm not going to propose the music. Do things on purpose. Make sure it's a fair fight, too. you got to level the playing field as much as possible to get accurate test results. I saw this comedian once who was A-B testing different punchlines for a reference in one of his jokes. He was trying to illustrate that the person sitting in front of him at the Yankees game was wearing a really big hat. So in one version, he says that the hat was twice the size of Manhattan. In another, he says the hat was twice the size of Schenectady. That's a small town just northwest of Albany. But in order for that to be effective test, he's got to try that line out in front of big crowds and small crowds and lively crowds, hostile crowds, nights when the joke before had done well, nights when the joke before had done badly. And yes, there are comedians that get that granular about their material. After a ton of performances, he'd settled on the Schenectady version, getting better response. But the possibility now was that, as many comedians will tell you, words in a punchline that include the sound made by the letter K are perceived as funnier. If you look up the web version of this piece on our website, knopstudios.com, there's a link there that'll take you to this really cool Google search on the subject. So the Schenectady versus Manhattan test then raised a different question for this comic. What if he replaced the word Schenectady with the name of another small town in New York that also has a K sound, like Yonkers. Okay, another round of A-B testing begins. In the web world, it's the same. Testing on your new website design needs to give equal chances for success across browsers, operating systems, speeds of web connections, geography, language, screen size, and dozens of other variables. A lot of data is a good thing. But a lot of random data that isn't granular enough to be crystal clear, well, that's a waste of time. Sorry if wanting data that's actually useful is too old school of me. Well, you can now stick a fork in season two, episode eight of The Voice in My Head and listen. If you can imagine a scenario where we were sitting down over coffee and having a chat about A-B testing or any of the other subjects that we cover on this show and something I said proved useful enough to you that you were inspired to pick up the tab for that coffee, can you do me a favor? Head over to buymeacoffee.com nop and buy me a virtual coffee like my friend Dave Jackson did after last week's show. Although Dave went a little nuts and bought me three coffees. Dave, thank you. They were virtually delicious. Nop, by the way, is spelled K-N-O-P-P. 
And if you actually want to get together over coffee or just over the internet and have that chat, send me a note. My email address is neil, that's N-E-I-L, at knopstudios.com. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Voice in My Head. I'm Neil Headley.